You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. Welcome to It's My Money. It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, which is South Africa's top boutique wealth manager. This week, we're going to talk about a challenging subject. And the person that's going to deliver the challenges and solutions to the challenges is Johan Berger from Brenthurst Wealth in Pretoria. You sent me a piece, Johan, and it says the following, how to invest in a world of uncertainty. And you say, investing in a world of uncertainty can be challenging, especially when economic uncertainty, social unrest, and global pandemics create a sense of instability. Now, it doesn't matter what year you're in, it doesn't matter what month you're in of that year, there's always uncertainty. But at the moment, I would agree with you, particularly in the South African context, there is a lot more uncertainty than I've ever been used to. Isn't that correct? Yeah, 100%, uh, Lindsay. First of all, good afternoon, Lindsay, and yeah, listen, uh, good afternoon to all the listeners. Thank you. Yeah, we live in a, we live in a world of uncertainty. I mean, 2022 was a was a very challenging and difficult year for all investors, not just South Africans, but I think investors across the globe. Inflation played a vital role. Obviously, we had and still have the Russian-Ukraine scenario, and obviously the China had a quite a hard lockdown given COVID scenarios, which had a massive impact on the global economy. Now. 2023, yes, we had a, a nice uptick starting the beginning of the year. So you have the investments on the one side, and then you have the personal circumstances of each and every South African, given, let's say, political circumstances, load shedding, high inflation levels, high interest rates. So yeah, it is quite interesting and challenging times for all South Africans at this point in time. So what we need to do, of course, is get back to basics and say, okay, it's challenging, and maybe your personal circumstances have changed. And also, I'm not going to bring this up in this particular discussion, but also your mental health issues also come to the fore because you're worrying about the rand, you're worrying about your family, you're worrying about whether you should or shouldn't leave South Africa and um, all sorts of things. But the mental health story really does affect the way that you behave. But you have to get back to basics. And this is where you and your colleagues at Brentus Wealth come in and you say to yourself, OK, let's start at the bottom. Let's start with the basics. And you start in this article you sent me with budgeting. You say budgeting is an essential component of personal finance management that helps individuals to plan, track and control their expenses. And you go on to say, here are some reasons why financial budgeting is important in personal finance. I'll leave it up to you now. Budgeting, very important, Jan. Yeah, budgeting plays a vital role for every single individual, whether you're a wealthy individual or a person that is struggling at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so the point I'm trying to do with, in a way, that with this article, there are certain things in, in life that you have no control over. Um, certain events in the world, let's take COVID, for example, and the impact of that. That is something the normal person on the street can't control. And that will have certain effects after X amount of months. But Yet again, there are certain things in a way that you can control. So in order to, to do a normal budget, for example, so it's like a business. Um, I, I always say each individual runs his own life like its own business. So you have a particular income coming into your bank account. And in order to live a certain life, you have 
certain expenses. Now, if you don't know the one from the other, um, you have a massive problem. So point being, a budget or doing budgeting as a household between husband and wife is vitally important to understand what do I need to pay. And not just that, uh, a lot of people are not really in a position to do that, but it is so important to plan for what happens for the day if you don't have a certain income anymore. So retirement planning plays a vital role. So in short, budgeting to make sure to contribute or pay certain things before you pay other things plays a vital role in your finances. That's very interesting you say that. Sorry to interrupt you, honey. It's because uh, people say, well, I should pay this person, I should pay that person because I feel guilty about it. First of all, you have to pay yourself and you have to pay your family before you look at other debts. Otherwise, if you don't pay yourself and your family, then things start to fall apart a bit. Absolutely. So what I mean by that, there are certain things in life that in a way you do need, the necessities in life. You need a roof over your head. You need to eat. You need to take care of your kids in terms of schooling. So in my opinion, that forms part of, let's call it necessities. I think the big problem with a lot of people out there is they want to try and even in difficult times, they still want to include the luxury goods. So mm. to give you an example, let's say in South Africa, everybody will be aware, and this is nothing towards the company, but let's say you pay Netflix and DSTV and all those luxuries on a monthly basis, and you say, I'm not going to pay for my rent or my bond pay anymore. Then you have a massive problem in terms of your budgeting. So you need to establish what is really vitally important and then you can follow the rest and that is not possible if you don't do a proper budget on a monthly basis in other words you have to prioritize i mean there are certain things you can That's afford it. there's certain things you can't afford there's certain things you need to afford and there's certain things that you essentially have to budget for and you know the things that you've mentioned without singling out one particular company or service that you just don't need and you can do without them and things that you didn't have, for example, 10 years ago. Okay, now let's talk about debt. And you say there is a big difference between good debt and bad debt. Bad debt is a credit card because you've gone out for too many meals or too many holidays. Good debt is investing in something that is a fixed asset, like a home, for example, Jan. Absolutely. So I think given the current, let's say, global economy in 2022 inflation levels went really really high historic levels high and in order one way to combat that is obviously to increase interest rates so i always say to people one of the best investments nowadays is to pay off debt i mean a house or bond debt that you currently pass in a region of 10 10 and a half percent credit card debt for certain people north of 15 or 18 percent. Mm. Now, in this environment, in order to generate those type of returns guaranteed in the stock market or any type of investments are very, very difficult. Yes, you get it, but it also entails a quite a bit of risk. So first priority to pay off bad debt. And, and Lindsay, you 100 percent correctly referred to credit card debt. That's some of the highest debt. Second debt, car debt is slightly higher than, let's say, for example, home debt. Now, to distinguish between home debt and, let's say, investment debt, 
your own property that you live in is not really an asset. Yes, it is. You can provide something when you sell it, but you have to replace that if you sell it. You need to live somewhere. So I don't consider your primary residence as an asset in the sense of an investment point of view. That's interesting. Where mm. uh, from a good debt point of view is let's say you use the bank's money to either buy a business and that particular business generate cash flow and you have to repay that bond, but at least you're building an asset in that business. For the normal person on the street, let's say you buy multiple properties, for example, you don't live in there and the tenants pay off your debt and you use that to build assets over time. So those, in a short summary, the distinguish between good debt and bad debt. So people must always try and pay off their bad debt, the debt with the highest interest rates first, and then you go. And it's almost like a pecking order. You start with the one, if that's paid off, you move to the other one, and it's a guaranteed of the tax return by paying off those debts. Okay, well, this is an interesting one again, because you as a financial advisor are the first person that people should go to to say, okay, these are my debts at the moment, which are good, which are bad. This is how old I am. This is my risk profile. This is what I'm trying to achieve. And you then will prioritize the good and the bad debts. Point number two you make is stay calm and avoid knee-jerk reactions. I don't want to talk about that because it's obvious. If you think that the U.S. is going to default on its um, debt ceiling and uh, U.S. bonds are going to become junk-worthy, then, yeah, the market's going to fall a bit, but we know it's going to be fine. So just stay calm and avoid the knee-jerk reactions of the markets and just say, we've seen it all before. Look at a long-term graph. And the equity market usually serves you very well. Number three, though, diversify your portfolio. Don't have everything in, in one basket. Don't have your eggs in that basket. Have a diversified portfolio because if one does badly, invariably the other ones will do well. Absolutely. I mean, I think in a way that and point number two in terms of knee-jerk reactions, um, just a quick note on that. I mean, 22, obviously a terrible year. Now, technology or let's call it the Nasdaq sector on the U.S. stock market had a fantastic last couple of years. 2022, a terrible year, north of 30% down. And a lot of people started asking the question, sure, I should sell. When should I sell? Um, and let's say around about October, November, got rid of those particular stocks. And the Nasdaq up to date is up 18% year to date. And the point I'm trying to make with that is when you invested in those particular stocks or funds, the investment horizon wasn't one year, wasn't two years. If you invest in a particular stock, it should have a long-term horizon. And then the big question is, what is the definition of long-term? And I know that's a little bit vague, but we normally tend to advise clients that is longer than seven years. So when a, let's call it an aggressive type of portfolio or portion of your portfolio, experience some sort of volatility in the short term, it doesn't really matter because the objective of that particular stock is long-term. And by referring now, by making the wrong decision, let's say last year when you sold out, you lost the opportunity cost of being up 18% year-to-date as we stand. So 
yeah, it's vitally important to make sure what is the objective of your investment decisions and then in a way to stick it out. Focus on quality. If you'd have just taken companies that have consistently done well, have been in existence for decades, whether it be Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, whatever it is, and even today, you know, companies like uh, Alphabet, Google, you say to yourself, well, these people have served me well, and they're still going, and they're still investing in research and development, etc. So focus on quality, focus on companies that you know, they may not go up 20% next year, but on the other hand, they pay dividends, and they will consistently serve you. To me, quality is probably the biggest thing I've got out of this conversation, Jan. Absolutely. I think the big question you must ask yourself, let's say from a South African point of view, and it, it almost ties with the diversification. Um, as a South African, we, we love South Africa and the weather is fantastic and <laughs> you don't want to look across borders, um, but you don't realize what's going on in South Africa. So we at Brentus advise clients to say, well, Take your money and at least put a portion of it overseas or in offshore markets. Mm. By doing that, it doesn't mean all of a sudden you don't like South Africa and you want to immigrate and leave the shores of South Africa. That's not true. We indicate we are less than 1% of global economy. We use products that are offshore companies on a daily basis. If you ask yourself the question, will those companies exist in the next five or 10 years or longer, the, the answer should be yes. And from most, if you take a company, you, you mentioned Coca-Cola, been in existence for how long? Microsoft, Amazon. Now, these companies are global companies that you can invest in. By investing in it doesn't mean you have something against South Africa. You're just diversifying your personal portfolio. And in a way, you're also protecting to yourself. That's another point, how the rand has weakened the last couple of weeks, actually the last couple of years, but recently quite a bit, over 19 at this point in time. Oh, the last 30, 40 um, years, actually, uh, yeah, yeah, but let's not yes, get to, let's mean, not do a historical currency lesson here. But yeah, we, it's a structurally weak currency and it just has its ups and downs and it's had some horrible downs in the last couple of weeks. Let's talk about alternative investments. Because when I think of alternative investments, I think, okay, cryptocurrencies. You mustn't get me going on cryptocurrencies because I find them too volatile to even consider for a company like uh, Brentos. Although you may have clients that say, well, I want a couple of percent in cryptos just in, in case. But what's your attitude briefly on alternative investments? Yeah, they yeah, I mean, there are, I mean, it's a very good point, Lindsay. There are very many alternative investment options out there that the normal South African or investor in general not even aware of, uh, whether it's private equity, hedge funds, and you refer to, let's say, crypto. Now, mm. from Brench's point of view, we don't have, a, let's say, a clear indication or advice on crypto. So my next piece of information is it's not necessarily advice. It's just my general point that I would like to make to all investors out there. So yes. let's say you have a view on, on crypto. The first question you must ask yourself is one, is it a 
a type of, let's say, medium risk portfolios are always at high risk. And without a doubt, I mean, given the volatility of crypto the last couple of years, it is a high risk portfolio. So if you invest in a high risk, whether it's cryptos, hedge funds, alternative strategies, private equity, one, you must have a long term outlook. That's priority number one. And secondly, it must form a small pool of your portfolio. And the reason I'm saying that is you must ask yourself, will my life change in any way on a daily basis if I lose that percentage of my wealth? So let's say I have 100 rand in my capacity and I invest 5 rand towards cryptos. Will my life change in any way if I lose the 5 rand? The answer should be, it's not going to make a massive or any difference. In other if words, it goes up it, by 100% it, great. Exactly. It's like you've got a horse race, the J&B Met, for example, you're going to say, I'm going to put 50 Rand on that horse. And if you lose the 50 Rand, it's not an investment, it's a bit of fun and it's a, a sort of diversification. You say, if I lose the 50, if the horse doesn't come in as a winner, then I lost the money. It makes no difference to me. You must look at an alternative investment. From my point of view, and I'm not putting words in Brenta's wealth's mouth now, I'm saying, if I lose it, it doesn't bother me. Is that the way you should look at an alternative investment? Absolutely. So to give you an example, let's say you have two clients coming, coming to Brenta's or myself for advice. The one has a wide variety of investments and capital at its disposal and the other person has X amount in a retirement fund and he needs to go on pension and he needs to draw income from that. Person A with a wide variety where he doesn't need the company, he can go into those, let's call it the alternatives, whether it's cryptos or private equity and all of that. Mm. A person going on retirement You can't take that amount of risk because the question is, let's say for whatever reason, a particular asset class loses 60% at any given time. You will change that investor's life instantly. So at the end of the day, it all boils down to personal circumstances for particular investors, and then you build a strategy around it. Given high inflation levels, Even for conservative investors, it is very important to have some sort of equity exposure within your portfolio because that's the only way you're going to combat inflation over the long term. But then what is important, you should not redeem monthly income. That should also, as a portion of your portfolio, have a long-term outlook of the total portfolio of your investments. Very well said. Point number six, you say, keep an eye on emerging trends. We don't need to go into that. We, it used to be biotech. It used to be the internet, etc. And, and these things evolve into, into something else. It used to be cellular telephony. And now we're looking at these companies that are essentially utilities. So you've got to look now and you've got to look at AI, for example, and say which companies are going to benefit from the AI boom. So you've got to keep an eye on emerging trends. But again, you have to talk to a financial advisor about that before saying, right, I've got to get into AI at the moment. But the final thing, which is very important, Jan, is point number seven, stay disciplined and be patient. Don't get up in the morning, listen to a podcast, watch television, listen to the radio. Uh, look at a blog or something and say, right, I've got to do this right now. No, 
Just be patient, settle down, take a deep breath and wait a bit. That's my advice for what it's worth. 100% correct, Lindsay. I mean, if you listen and read every single thing that's out on the market, you will never invest any money. You mm -hmm. will never generate growth and you will never beat inflation. You will ask 100 analysts, 100 financial advisors a question on a particular point and all 100 will probably provide a different answer. I think at the end of the day, just summarize all of this, you have to get down and ask yourself, not your neighbor, not your friend, not your mom or dad. What is your personal circumstances? What's your objective? What's your income needs? And then you need to discuss that with a financial advisor and say, well, how do I build a portfolio that protect me from, let's say, certain downturns or volatility in the market? And then B, how can I create a portfolio where I know for a fact I'm not going to touch in the next couple of years good quality business in order to generate growth and combat inflation in the long term. That, in short, is, is what I would advise all investors to do on a regular basis. Such good advice, Johan. Thank you very much for your extended time today. It was really interesting. Johan Berger is from Brentos Wealth, and that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brentos Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company.